Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. I realized that God loves people. And it's so important for us to love people. And so when we, when we do that, when we love him and we love people, things get pretty exciting. Amen. And we, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen in our lives. This morning, I want to share with you, it felt like the Lord put on my heart, the title of my message is, Why Parables? Why Parables? And this is part of uh, the gospel influence, but why parables? I've been thinking about that lately, and I want to start off with a parable So in uh, northern Italy, in the mountains of northern Italy, there was a monastery that was set above a village, and every day a monk would come down to do mass at the church in the village. So one very cold morning, he was winding his way down the path to the church, and he happened to look off to the side, and he saw a bird, and this bird was shivering, and it was near death. And his compassionate heart went out to the bird, and so he picked up the bird, and he tried to think, what am I going to do with this bird? So he decided to put it inside of his coat to try to warm up the bird. So he continued walking down to the church, down to the village. And as he got there and he noticed the bird was having a lot more activity and seemed like it was doing much better, but it was time to go into church and to do mass. And he he wasn't really sure what to do. So he thought, well, I can't take it in with me. So he happened to look around and by happenstance, there was a a cow that was just exiting and left a a warm cow pie right there on the yard in front of the church, and it was heading out to the pasture. And so he took this bird, and he cautiously but firmly set it down into the cow pie to get it warmed up a little bit more and kind of tucked it right in the cow pie. Well, the bell rang for, for mass to start, so he went in and So the bird started getting better and starting feeling even to itself. He was thinking, man, I'm feeling pretty good. So the bird began to sing. And the bird was singing and with just feeling good about life. And there was a fox, the old fox that was along the wall surrounding the church and heard the bird. He jumped off of the wall and went down and snatched the bird out of the cow pie and he ate it. That's the parable. Now, you may not like the ending of that parable, and you might be confused as to what that even means. Well, I'll give you a couple things. One, just because some harm came to you out of an experience that you had with the person, that doesn't mean that person's intentions were bad. So the monk had good intentions, but the outcome wasn't good. The other part is, the one who takes you out of the cow pie isn't necessarily somebody who has good intentions for you. So you have to beware of those things. Now, this is kind of the irony of the stories of life. And people intend to do you good. And in fact, sometimes their actions lead to something not good happening to you. And what looks like a friend at times could in fact be an enemy, we see in this story. Just a parable and some thoughts. But it causes us to think. And... A parable like that, you can create pictures and you can visualize things. And so Jesus, being the greatest communicator who ever lived, used parables quite often 
and they were for many purposes in what he was doing that. And, but there was a lot of times there was characters in those parables. There was one who would represent God, usually, and then one who would represent maybe the evil side, the one who was against God. And then there was those who represented people that had to make decisions based on what was happening in the parable. And so they either would follow or not follow, or they would be caught between the two and vacillate back and forth. And so there's things that Jesus wanted to communicate to us that was very important. And so in a parable, though, we're called to action. We're called to faith. We're called to do something after hearing the parable. And that's what Jesus' purpose was. It was a call to action for something. Now, it's important for us as Christians that we don't obey the Bible just because there's words in the Bible that say you have to do this. Because sometimes we can get caught up in saying, well, the Bible says. Really what we're after is we need to be looking to the author of the word and in our relationship with him in that process. So we're not responding to a command. We're responding to the one who gives the command, our Savior, our Lord. That's who we're responding to. We're not responding to words in a book, although they're powerful words. But if we are looking at the Bible as something that this is the rules and I have to follow these rules, we're missing something. And so parables were then given. And so they're meant to explain simple truths. They're pretty simple. They're not created to solve all of our problems because sometimes we're looking for answers for everything. And they're not meant for us to be all scholarly and try to dig up every little word and what it means in every parable to try to dissect this thing. Really, basically, they're simple truths that Jesus gave. Some understood, some didn't. And there was purpose behind that as well because there were people that Jesus was looking to reach and those he was testing. Now, I want to read a definition that I found about parables of Jesus. I believe we have this on the screen. But I want to read it. A narrative moving within the sphere of physical or human life, not professing to describe an event which actually took place, but expressly imagined for the purpose of representing in a pictorial figure a truth belonging to the sphere of religion and therefore referring to a relation of man or mankind to God. I know that says a lot, but that's basically what it is. And... Some of the parables that Jesus gave were spoken to multitudes, to crowds of people, and others were to his disciples. And he didn't tell all the parables to all the multitudes, because as we learned last week as Tony's message, a lot of times in those multitudes, Jesus would say a parable, and he was trying to generate some interest in them, but oftentimes we find they were not ripe for harvest. And so there were certain parables that were used with the disciples and others in multitudes situation. So as we're going to dive into some of these this morning, but I want to pray before we do that. Lord, thank you, God, that you speak to us in so many ways. And you've chosen to use your word is certainly one of the key ways. You also speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit speaks to us in our heart, and your Holy Spirit speaks through your word to us as well as we listen and as we are cautious and careful to pay attention to what you have to say to us. Lord, I know you want to speak to us this morning. So let us have ears to hear what you're saying to us this morning. Let us not close off. Let us not put preconceived ideas or thoughts or things that may be going on in our life to block out what you want for us this morning. So I pray that we would be there 
hearing and receiving this morning what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 13, starting in the first verse. And this is where Jesus is appealing to the crowds, the multitudes, hoping that they would get his message. So he's speaking to a lot of people. And this is the parable of the farmer scattering seed. And so it starts off and it says, Later that day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Interesting in verse 10. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, which is glorious gospel truths, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them because they place no value on the teachings of Jesus, basically. That is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Notice that the multitudes did not pursue Jesus after the parable. If you were to listen to that parable, you, as a part of the multitude, you would have probably thought, whatever the heck does this mean? But they didn't have ears to hear. They weren't wanting, really wanting to know what Jesus was saying. But Jesus was speaking that in a way that he was hoping to convince them to come and have conversation. But it wasn't them who pursued. Those who don't have understanding about the kingdom of heaven, they have nothing of value because the kingdom of heaven is the only thing of lasting value. And that's what Jesus is trying to share here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 13 and 14, it says this, When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. This isn't being mean and trying to withhold it's trying to draw people to his spirit. But Jesus did it in such a way that he realized if they really want to know the truth, they'll seek it. And he's more than happy to give more. But because of their attitude and, and some of the things that the Pharisees and those people and the multitudes, they were prideful people and they were rejecting what Jesus had to say. Now, this isn't up on the screen, but I just want to read a couple more verses here, and, and then we'll pretty soon here we'll jump to verse 18. But verse 14 says, This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, for they have closed their eyes, 
So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Wow, this is powerful stuff, because there's something in the world that their eyes are closed, their ears are closed, and God so wants to heal every aspect of every life. And he's drawing, he's calling, but it just needs a response from us and from those around us says in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Just as the Jews rejected Isaiah's message in the Old Testament, they were still rejecting the message of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. His message about the kingdom of heaven, about the kingdom of God, they were rejecting it. So, let's go to Matthew, verse 18 and Matthew 13. Now, listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those that hear the message and immediately receive it with joy... But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away, and as soon as they have a problem or are persecuted for believing God's word, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Verse 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as it's been planted. So Jesus explains this because his disciples come and they're saying, Hey, Jesus, come on. (laughs) Give us us more. We're hungry. And he explains this. Understanding that the seed itself is not responsible for what happens to you. It's not the seed. It's you and I. Because we're the ones that allow it to be snatched or fall away or crowded out. Or produce a good harvest. It really becomes up to us and how we allow that soil to react and have the seed properly germinated and and fed. Understand this too. The seed from the farmer is always good. It's always good from the farmer who is, we will see, is Jesus. He represents the farmer sowing the seed. He's sowing good seed. It's always good. The difference is in the soil where it lands. And some of the things that happen around that. And that's what we read here. The gospel message in its seed form is exactly what every person in this entire world needs. It's all there in the seed. It's exactly what every person in the entire world needs in seed form. But if the soil isn't fertile, it won't take hold. And we see this. Therefore, as Tony said last week, we're looking for... Harvest that is ripe. People who are ripe for harvest. Their soil has been prepared. Something has been happening. Either you're planting or you're harvesting. You're somewhere in there. Some plant, some harvest. But we have to be careful that when we are talking with people, we need to discern a little bit about the condition of their soil. God is the faithful one to plant the seed. And he does that so often through people. And he can do it in other ways. But Jesus told his disciples, remember what he said, hey, if folks don't receive your message, 
dust off your feet and keep going. Don't worry. Don't be hurt. Don't be offended. It is what it is. Go out and go into the, the villages and the cities and touch base with people and go into their homes and talk with people. But if they don't, if they don't want to hear what you're saying, so what? Dust off your feet. Keep going because somebody will hear. Somebody wants to hear. There's soil out there somewhere that is ready for a seed. They're ready for being tilled. Colossians 2.7. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So many times the roots are going down in the wrong area. They're not connected to him. And so there's a lot of complaining that goes on about everything failing and falling apart. And I don't know, this God doesn't, he's not a loving God, all these things, because we have to make sure that we put our roots down in him and that our lives are built on him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you're so worried about. They'll be taken care of. All the things you need, they'll be added to your life. So we go to verse 24, parable of the wheat and the weeds. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seeds in his field. But that night, as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. There was something planted over the top of something that was already planted. So many times we get so frustrated in our life because somehow we think that the enemy is non-existent or shouldn't ever, ever touch us or mess with us. But we're going to find out some things about that here in a moment. Verse 27, the farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? Jesus said it. The farmer said, an enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull the weeds, they asked? No, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. Hmm, like, well, what is that supposed to mean? Let's jump to verse 34. We'll come back to that. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Hmm, I would be pretty curious. What's going to come from that? So in verse 36, there's an explanation that Jesus gives from the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Verse 36, then leaving the crowds outside... Jesus went into the house. Guess who followed? (laughs) His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. There was no crowds coming and following Jesus. They kind of thought, oh, well, big deal, whatever. It's another story from Jesus. But there was people that were his disciples that were so wanting to pursue. What is he saying? I want to know. We want to know. So Jesus replied, the son of man, being Jesus himself, is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. This is becoming very clear. Jesus is very good at explaining. Verse 40, just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove 
from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Wow. Jesus is telling us here. He's the farmer. He's the one who sows the seeds. Satan is the one who represents the bad seed that was sown on top of the good seed. And of course, the people who don't listen or listen a little bit or listen when they want to or actually really listen and take heed. Those are the ones that represent the different kinds of seed. And the, it's interesting because I looked this up. The Greek word used here refers that this kind of weed, it resembles wheat until full maturity. Then you can tell it apart. So the wheat and the weed, they kind of look alike. It's interesting. So we all live in the same world. We live in an evil world. But we control the kind of influences that come into our soil. The type of soil that is there, it's up to us. So many times as we cry out, God, please take me out of this mess. Help me. He's telling us here, you know what? Good and evil are going to be together. This is the way it is. We're in a fallen world. It's an evil world. But I've planted you and I've given you what you need to produce, harvest, to produce a multitude of a hundred times whatever I've planted, but there's things you have to do to cultivate and prepare and to be mature as believers because you can be taken out by the enemy. But it's very clear to us the enemy is there too. He's sowed his bad seed right next to us. We would love it, and yes, if God would just pull all that stuff out of our life and we don't have to live around that, it would be great. But the reality is we live in and amongst that. In the end, judgment day comes. We see this in here. And the bad seed is harvested and it's burned and it's thrown into the lake of fire. That's what happens to that. And the good seed is harvested and it's preserved and it's put in the storehouse, put in the barn. And we represent the good seed and that's what we should be. We got to understand there's an evil one. There's an enemy that wants to take you out. He does. So he sowed his seed amongst the good seed and he's trying his hardest. But I'm telling you, We can see this as the days grow darker, more evil. That's just the truth of what it is. That's where we're living. It's going to be harder and harder for us to be able to stand firm and stay strong. We have to have our roots go down in him. And that's the key and the important part of it. Our foundations have to be strong because the winds are coming. The waves are coming. The storm's coming. The evil one's coming after you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to encourage you to to go deeper in God because he's your only hope and he's promised to take care of us. We have some responsibility in this. We can't just sit back and say, well, God, if it doesn't happen good for me, then you messed up or you didn't take care of me. There's things we have to do. We are joining him in his sufferings. So often we read about Paul, and man, I tell you, somebody who was so committed and passionate about Jesus Christ because he had such a a transformational experience that there was nothing that was going to rock his boat or get, get him away from his firm conviction of who Jesus Christ was in his life. And that's what Jesus wants for all of us. Because when the weeds are growing up right next to us, we're just like, thank you, Jesus, for the weeds, but my eyes are on you, my roots are in you. And you're going to take care of those weeds, whatever they are, but they're not going to mess up with my fruit and the harvest that you have called me to and promised for me. Come on now. Verse 44, parable of the hidden 
treasure in the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. You're thinking, well, whatever. Then he, then he goes on. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is so over-the-top valuable that you would do anything, anything to become part of the kingdom of heaven, become part of the kingdom of God. You would sell all, you would do whatever it took. And that's what Jesus is saying. This kingdom of mine is so incredibly great. You're not going to understand it here on earth. And And I can't really explain it to you in words, but he's given us parables of just a glimpse, these simple parables of kind of what it's like. And why he's so passionate about it. It reflects the significance and the incredible value and benefit of the kingdom of heaven. And the utter urgency for us to obtain it. And that should be on our lips. That should be on our heart. Is We've got to go after this. We have to go after it. We can't sit back and complain about the evil going on. Yes, it's there. We recognize it. And we recognize the, the, the wiles of the devil and what he does. And the Bible says to do that. But that's not where we're focusing says, yeah, be aware of it, but our life and our, our hope and everything is in him, in Jesus Christ. And he will take care of that other stuff. Verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up on the shore, sat down and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked people in the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Yes, they said, we do. Then he added, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. There's something here Jesus is very passionate about. And he's also telling us, he's laying it out so clear. Live your life devoted and passionate for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And put everything into the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and and all of the good things and the righteousness of the kingdom. Because eventually there comes a day where those who have rejected Christ, those who have decided, ah, living for Jesus is too hard. I, I just, I can't do that. Listening over here is calling me over here, and I, I'm kind of going to follow that. But he's, he's telling us very clear in his word. It's going to get separated. You're not going to be growing anymore side by side with the evil and the good. At some point, there's a separation. And unfortunately, there's many who get bundled up and are thrown into the lake of fire. And again, as I said before, the lake of fire, or hell as we referred to, was not created for mankind. It was created for Satan and his demons. But unfortunately, he's sowed a lot of bad seed, and he's hoping for a harvest. And I tell you what, we're part of the kingdom of God, and we need to be making sure that he doesn't get a harvest. That whatever he's sown, that that's going to be converted into the kingdom. So that's part of what last week and Tony was talking about so well, spoke so well about who we are and what we're to be doing and with our life and making a difference. There's a harvest. Jesus is so clear in these parables. Spiritual fruitfulness for us, though, really requires an honest and a good heart. We have to put ourselves in that place of being successful and receiving what he has for us. 
the success of both kingdoms, kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of heaven, they both, as we read, they both sowed seed. They both sowed seed. It germinates with whatever influence is put on that, and it unfolds in front of us, and there is a power of, that comes upon both of those things, and they begin to grow. We're living in an evil world, and it's evil times. But we serve an incredible God. I'm telling you, he loves us so much, and he is so excited about our future and what he sees for all of us. I tell you what, he's smiling down from heaven because so many times we think, well, he must be pretty disappointed. No, he's smiling. He, he loves us. He's smiling down saying, those are my kids. Look at them. They're coming together and they're seeking me. They're pursuing me. They're part of my harvest. He weeps over the lost. And so should we. Matthew 7, 17 through 20. A good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. We're not put on this earth to judge people. That's not our place. We're here to love people and to encourage and to, to see them become part of the kingdom. We're not here to reject anybody. We're here to demonstrate and show the love of Christ. Because I tell you what, if it wasn't for the grace and, and mercy of God, where would we be? Many of you have testimony of what God took you out of. Not the least of the, be the Apostle Paul. What happened to him, somebody who persecuted and killed Christians. But yet God saw it sovereignly to reach down and grab this guy and transform his life. So we can't say, well, I've just done too much bad. God can't use me. No, he can. And he forgives and he wipes away those things. But we have to make sure that when we come into his kingdom that we begin to get our roots down in him. Because the enemy's coming. I'm telling you today, the enemy's coming to try to rob you, to try to steal from you, to try to bring destruction to you. And he's, he does it in so many sneaky ways. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He has nothing good. He cheats, steal everything. And he doesn't have any new tricks. For some reason, the same tricks he's been using for thousands of years keep working. But I tell you what, we don't have to listen to those and we don't have to allow those to affect our life. We have a testimony. We have, it's by the word of our testimony. These parables allow us to get a very clear visual of what we need to do to make sure that we're growing in our walk with God. They do. And that our actions are producing good fruit. And again, I want to encourage you this morning. I'm not trying to bring anything heavy. I'm just speaking. This is the word. This is what the word says. And it's important that we understand that Jesus was very clear in what he's saying in the word. And so I know we all want to hear that. We want to hear that, well done, a good and faithful servant. We're living in this world, but we're not of this world. <laughs> God put us here. So... We can't cry and say, God, take me out of this. I don't want to be. He, he put us here. Are we preparing for harvest? It leads the people of God to life. And God's opponent, it leads them to death. But we choose life. Amen. We choose life and we want to be, reflect that in our actions and to communicate that with those around us. That this is what God is doing in us, in me. Will you stand this morning? Lord, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you 
used parables in your word. And I thank you that your disciples pursued you to ask you more questions and get more clarity. Lord, I know there are many multitudes that are out there that are hearing bits and pieces. Maybe their heart's not ready that yet, but we know the seeds are being planted. You planted seeds in the multitudes, even though you knew that many of them wouldn't receive, but you still planted the seeds. Lord, we know there's a great harvest coming, and we want to be a part of that, and that's an exciting day. Lord, I pray for each person that's a part of City Life Church. I pray that you would continue to encourage us to pursue you, to allow our roots to go deep in you, Lord. Lord, it's up to us the condition of our soil and some of the preparation that needs. And there's obviously influence of others that helps us in that. Lord, I pray, pray against the influence of the enemy, the evil one who would come and lie to us, to deceive us, to tell us that the soil we're in isn't, isn't as good as some soil in another farm or another field. God, you've planted good seed. You planted good seed. And we thank you for that. Thank you that we're rooted in you. And just pray again against the enemy and his attempts to try to uproot, to try to steal, to try to destroy, to kill, to deceive in any way. We take authority over him in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We pray in the harvest. We pray in the harvest. We know the laborers are few, but guess what? The few are here. <laughs> We're part of your laboring team. We're here, God. We're hearing you. Let those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, let us hear what your spirit is saying to us. And we would be responsive in that. In Jesus' name we say, amen, amen. Let's sing a song as we conclude. If you need prayer for anything this morning or if you just want to come and hang out up front and just seek God, it's, it's all for you. Uh, nobody's judging anybody here today. Make sure we don't ever think that, oh, because I go up the altar, somebody thinks there's something messed up in my life. That's not true. That just means you love Jesus. <laughs> uh, and, and that's why I come up here. I love him. Amen. Let's sing this. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 